Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Eleven years after Lila Connor's first collaboration with Leonardo DiCaprio on the film The Eleventh Hour, which emphasizes the problem of climate change, Ice on Fire instead focuses on the cutting-edge research behind today's climate science and the innovations aimed at reducing carbon in our atmosphere, which could pave the way for a reduction in global temperature rise and benefit the planet's life systems. With sweeping cinematography of a world worth saving, Ice on Fire was filmed across the globe, from Norway to Alaska, Iceland to Colorado, Switzerland, Costa Rica to Connecticut. The film highlights firsthand accounts of people at, on the forefront of climate crisis with insights from scientists, farmers, and innovators. The film is called Ice on Fire, and we're fortunate to have with us today the producer and the director of the film, and that would be Lila Connors. Lila, welcome to Film School. Thank you for um, having me. Thank you very much for being here. This is a, a terrific film, and as I alluded to, the uh, other collaboration that you uh, had with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio on the 11th hour, again, a kind of a, a, a clarion call, a wake-up call, another sort of underscoring that since the last film that you did, the 11th hour, we are still in a severe crisis. In some ways, it is getting worse, but as I alluded to, it's also a film that says there's a way out. Um, I'm sure this was an important part of your, in terms of sort of the idea behind another documentary about climate crisis. And so, in finding out what are these cutting-edge uh, technologies, tell me a little bit about the process that went into um, Ice on Fire. Basically, as you know, we've done this before, and we were looking at what was happening with methane. And so, the methane story wasn't really covered in the press as much as it, we think it should have been. So Leonardo really wanted to talk about methane, and we were talking about, you know, let's get into mo the most cutting-edge science and discoveries about what's going on with climate, which obviously led us to the Arctic, which is where a lot of the stuff is unfolding quite rapidly. And in the process of all that, we were, you know, we obviously wanted to discuss also what is the cutting-edge response to climate. And, you know, we, we had done these short films on on methane, on, re on what we call restoration, which is about how nature reverses climate through carbon sequestration through plants and, and sea, sea plants and soil. Mm -hmm. And so we looked into that and wanted to really dive deeper in. And, and interestingly, in the process, we also found that there were people inventing actual machines and artificial leaves and other things that can sequester carbon, too. So, so basically, Ice on Fire became this sort of dual-track story of accelerating climate disruption alongside accelerating innovation. And, uh, and so when we took those two lines of thinking, we could find the people quite easily, because when you look into that, you, you, you find the, the, the people working hard on this. And we did. You did. And I, I've been something of a hobby of mine, if you will, or, or as a, a concerned citizen, probably a better way to say it, in terms of trying to identify these technologies. And, and I was so happy to see many of the ones that I'm somewhat familiar with in the film. Uh, I find the one of carbon capture, the one where uh, they, they look like gigantic sort of oversized uh, washing machines that are literally 
they the the as the air blows through them they suck out the carbon and they and they put it ba- down into a sequestration system underground these are things that are um almost science fiction in some ways but in another way they're just pure science they're just they, they are people who, as you said, are are out on that cutting edge who understand not only science, but they understand the implications of crisis, uh, climate crisis. So they're able to apply their their expertise. Tell me a little bit about how you went around identifying those people that you felt were worthy of being in Ice on Fire. Well, the problem is there's so many worthy people, yeah. and I wish they would, could all go in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I had this conversation earlier with another journalist where they were like, what were the top or who were the best or whatever. And as you know, what we're trying to say is there are 80 and more solutions right now, and all of them are worthy, and they all need to be scaled as fast as possible. These were what we wanted to do was look at stuff in the ocean, stuff on land, you know, energy and drawdown and food. Uh, so we, so that's kind of how that we guide, it guided us mm-hmm. because there are so many options across all of these things. Yeah. So um, I don't know if it's a better way to say that, but that's kind of how we began with it. Yeah. So we were looking for title, you know, because a lot of people had never, you know, people heard of title, but you can even find good B-roll on title, right? Yeah. So we thought, let's go find, and, and it just sort of, a lot of sort of synchronicity was going on because just in the middle of filming this title machine was you know they announced it was first time ever turned on and broke all these records so there was a lot of stuff that happened that was sort of lucky yeah yeah there is so much promise in what we see in ice on fire there is and i i think that uh in i sort of look at this as the race for the cliff are we going to find are we going to find ourselves at the edge of the cliff with a conveyance uh, that will that will either you know help us uh, fly into the atmosphere, or are we going to run off the cliff? And it does seem like this is the race—the race between science and and politics. And um, without drawing you into a political discussion, are you of the opinion, or having done these two films, um, do you feel like the world gets it? And and is a sidebar. Do you feel like the United States, other than, well, do you feel like the United States is anywhere near where the where much of the rest of the well, world is? Well, the world gets it. The U.S. Yeah. does not okay. get it in terms of politically. Um, definitely not. Congress does not get it. But the rest of the world does, and Americans do. I mean, that's what, I think the whole message really is, is that with Drawdown especially, it would be fantastic if the U.S. government would jump on board. We can keep doing this, you know, alongside them, regardless of what they think. So you can plant a tree, you can plant kelp, you can put in director capture machines, you can put solar on your roof, you can do so many things, you can choose green energy. You know, we can move ahead, just like Europe's moved screamingly ahead, and a lot of other, you know, a lot of countries are making great strides. Even China, you know, are putting in mass amounts of wind and solar. So, yeah, I mean, the change is happening. We have to scale quickly. As you know, in the film, we say we want to stay under one point five degrees we have only eight more years left of burning carbon so we basically have to stop burning carbon and switching to renewables in the most massive way and luckily wind and power wind and so, wind and solar and storage can fuel the world so luckily the interesting thing about this problem is we do have the solutions 
for whatever reason, we've decided not to scale them up as fast as we could. Uh, hopefully, with films like this and, and, and you know the continued discussions by everybody, we will we will do what we need to do. The film is Ice on Fire. It premieres on HBO on on Tuesday, June 11th. It will be, I'm sure, screening uh, on a um, you know, all throughout the schedule through the HBO family of of channels. Um, you'll be able to check it out uh, from. June 11th, moving forward. Um, absolutely. I just want to say, you're right, the American people get it. States, obviously California is a, is a good example of a state that understands the importance of, of what's happening to our climate and doing things that will, will in fact, have a, have a positive impact on mitigating climate change, climate crisis. Uh, I didn't, there's a statistic in the film, and I really... Um, and there's a lot of different information, and it doesn't overload you. The film doesn't overload you with statistics, but there's one that jumped out at me. They were talking about, and correct me if I'm, I've gotten this wrong, 30 square mile um, area of solar farms, essentially, would be enough. 30,000 square miles. Oh, 30,000 square miles. I missed a couple mm-hmm. of zeros there. I apologize. But nonetheless, 30,000 square miles of solar farms, solar uh, panels would be enough to power the country is that yeah and in fact it's probably a little less um but it's not that much no it's we not can basically do it and the numbers are changing rapidly right. I mean, some people say fifteen thousand. right um yeah well the technology is improving the essentially essentially the efficiency of the cells is improving they're using different kinds of material in different cells now that are improving on on all of these things are getting better. And it does, and this is one of the points that in the film, at least we see around the world, and we alluded to it earlier, that in fact, this is, yes, private industry is a big, uh, important cog in making all of this happen. But in terms of transforming the globe, there has to be the participation, encouragement of our governments around the world. It, it just is not going to scale up as quickly as we need it to. Is that fair? Is that fair, Stephen? <coughs> we definitely have to scale up faster, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, it, but this is sort of to me, it requires commitment on the part of government. It isn't just a private. Well, it would mis- be yes. Yeah, I mean, mis- governments can move very large amounts of resources, so it would help very much if they did. In terms of your sense of going through this, how long did this take? Uh, the film take from sort of uh, beginning of production till till today. Was it? About two and a half years, actually. Okay. So, you know, it wasn't, it was um, a pretty, yeah, two and a half years, I would say. And in that period of time, just sort of as you would look out or across the horizon to where, where you think we are in terms of this sort of deadline that's looming, people say 2030, which is about what you're talking about, the eight years, maybe 12, um, are, do you, are you in Encouraged? Are you? How do you feel about where we're going and how how quickly we're going to get where? Well, what I like about what we're talking about is that um, we have the solutions at hand. It's not like you know, there's an asteroid that's gigantic (laughs) and there's nothing we can do about it. We can fix this problem. We actually can fix this problem. Now is the question of will, and obviously the fossil fuel industry has slowed us way, way down to the point of having a melted Arctic in the summer times, and maybe always. And we, you know, 
know, we have to now come from behind. And so, you know, if you look at the innovations that are coming online, it's incredibly hopeful. We can create an amazing, sustainable world. The question is, will we do it in time? Because the methane threat is quite significant because it accelerates warming. So the question really becomes, can we change in time? And the answer is, I don't know. All I do know is we have the answers. Yeah, methane is... Which is better than not having the answer. Right, right. That is a great point. We do know how... We do know there are ways that that work, that are scalable, that can, in fact, impact the quality of the world we live in. I I do think, personally, I just think we're going to have to deal... If we were to do all those things in the 8 to 10 years that that science is telling us, we're still going... It's like a a giant ship that's going to take a long time to slow down and stop. So we are going to be dealing with a lot of changes in sea levels until... There are going to be things that even if we were to be... Even if you could wave a magic wand and say we, we need... We can take care of this tomorrow. There is some momentum to what's happening that I think we're all, all we are all going to have to deal with on some level. But it is encouraging. It is very encouraging to see that, the, as you said, the technology and the wherewithal is there. So, yeah, yep, there it is. It is. It's just a matter of us scaling up, and everyone, like even as we can see, an urban, an urban farm can help reduce climate change. Growing something on your windowsill does it too. Yeah, and the, and also anything that grows. Yes, anything. And the good problem. and the good news is it it isn't as if it's going to make the world a worse place. <laughs> it's actually going to make if we did all the things with, that we need to do, we would actually be living in in, in many ways a much better and much happier. Yes, world. it's what's not to, what's not to <laughs> love about it. Exactly. You know, literally, we are going to make a better world for everyone. So, what's the problem of why are we delaying? It makes cleaner air, healthier food. It's healthier for everybody. Everyone makes, everyone will be empowered. They will have more money. It'll, the economy's stronger. You know, yeah. the grid is stronger. Yeah, I, I don't see why we just don't race towards this future. Yeah, as I, fast as we possibly can. I agree. I've, I've I've interviewed a couple of directors of films uh, about the environment, and one of the things that came, comes out of them, the, the the Serengeti rules and a couple of others, is that nature's predisposition is restorative. Mm-hmm. Nature, exactly. nature wants to improve itself. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Well, nature's not even improved. Nature just works the way it works. Yes. And I think what we're trying to say in Eyes on Fire is that na- we live in a carbon cycle, alongside a methane cycle, a water cycle, all sorts of cycles. There's all sorts of natural cycles in the world. We live inside a carbon cycle. And what that means is that the Earth cycles carbon, carbon up, carbon down, right? Right. right. And what we've done is burn... The, we've dug up excess ancient carbon that was sequestered by the Earth and burned it into the sky, which is not an activity that the Earth does at the scale we're doing. Right. It cycles natural carbon, not ancient carbon. Right. Right? right. So uh, all we have to do is understand how this cycle works and, and fit inside it properly. Yeah. yeah and and we, we show that in the film. Yeah, you do. Yeah I, my, yeah, I meant to say... Nature wants to restore it the cycle that you're talking about, and it and, and it will if we give it the opportunity to do so. And yeah, I I uh, thank you for so much for the film for for uh, making it. Not only it's a beautiful experience, the cinematography is fantastic. The experts that we get to hear from are amazing, and what they're doing and their approach to uh, the problem, and um, your work as well. Uh, 
Layla Connors has been terrific throughout your career and continued success. If people want to find out more about your particular work, there's treemedia.com where your feature, your film, Correct. your film yes. work. Treemedia.com so. is where it's at. Okay. And um, yeah, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll keep work, doing the movies we're doing. Very <laughs> excellent. And hopefully. Uh, I'll be talking to you again one day. Yes, you will. I hope you will come back. Again, the film is called Ice on Fire, and we've been talking with the producer-director, and that would be Lila Connors. Lila, thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.